Hello and welcome once again to another edition of Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols. Today's program is about one of the common complaints that seem to catch up with a lot of us as we age, that of osteoarthritis. What is it? Is it curable? And what can we do to make life easier for those who have it? Once again, I have with me Dr. Annette Carruthers, a clinical director of GP Access. Annette has been a regular visitor to our studio, and as always, it's great to have you back, Annette, and thank you for giving us your time. Thank you, Iris. Annette, what is osteoarthritis? Osteoarthritis is a very common degenerative condition which affects many of the joints in in our bodies. It results from wear and tear on the articular cartilage, which lines the ends of the bones of the joints. And when that cartilage becomes damaged and is lost, the joint no longer moves smoothly. And you get stress and inflammation occurring in the surrounding tissue, such as the bones, the synovial lining and the ligaments, and that causes pain. Is it always weight-bearing joints that suffer the most? or The joints that are mo- more commonly used are more prone to osteoarthritis because of the wear and tear. So, yes, the weight-bearing joints such as the hips and the knees mm-hmm. are very commonly affected. It, the next most common place is probably the fingers, that because we use our hands a lot, mm-hmm. that uh, osteoarthritis is very common, in the, particularly around the, the, the distal joints in the fingers. And I guess for the same reason of, of usage, shoulders would come in on that as well. Yes, people who use their shoulders a lot are, mm. are, are certainly more prone to osteoarthritis in the shoulders. What are the symptoms of osteoarthritis? Essentially pain and stiffness in in the affected joints which reduces the physical function. So you get difficulty using the joints. um, So if it's the hips and the knees, difficulty walking. You can also get some stiffness in the morning but that disappears quite quickly as, as you get going. But in other people, like walking for a long periods of time, the more they do it, the, the, the sore the joints will get, so mm. they can ache by the end of the day. So it's, I guess, learning to live with that and adjusting to it yourself. You know, if you can get going in the morning, um, by mid-morning it, you're fairly free. But if you're on your feet all day, then you're going to be in strife. That's right. It's probably quite important to, to consider some morning exercise to, to get mm. going, and often a, a warm shower can, can be very helpful. But yes, as people who find that the joints are getting sore later in the day will, will develop ways of, of not having to be so active and tending to sit mm. a little more and, and rest them at, from time to time. And I guess the same thing goes with, with your hands. Should we be doing things like knitting and sewing to keep the joints going in the hands? Look, in general, movement is a good principle to to keep the joints active mm. and overcome stiffness. But excessive use can in fact aggravate the condition. So you'll often find people who do knit have, have some swelling on the tips of their fingers, which is due to osteoarthritis, but uh, a moderate amount can help certainly help reduce the stiffness. Mm. And as you mentioned, the, the hot shower or the hot bath does wonders. It does indeed. Are some joints more affected than others? You've mentioned about weight-bearing and the hands. Is there a logical reason for that? Or is it simply because of weight-bearing? There's the load on the joint and the frequency mm. of use. So, so yes, and, and, and therefore the bigger people are, the more work the hips and knees mm. are doing and the more prone they are to arthritis. Any joints that do a lot of repetitive movement um, are more likely to be affected. Joints that are damaged, if someone, for example, has a fracture in their wrist, that risk can develop 
osteoarthritis mm. later in life. It's really important that fractures are, are treated correctly to reduce the risk of arthritis occurring afterwards. But people who, in various work situations who might use certain joints a lot are more likely mm. to develop arthritis in them. And elite sports people you know, who, who really put excessive mm. loads on their joints. We hear a lot of our footballers' you know, knees get damaged very early yeah. in life be, because of the excessive work that they do. So I guess it's not necessarily an ageing condition, it's how we use them that dictates what happens to them. Look, that's right. Early arthritis happens when joints are injured or, or exposed to excessive trauma. But did, and, and there is a her- hereditary aspect to it as well. But it's right. a very common disease as we age and, and the older we get. The, the more wear and tear on the joints, so mm. the more common osteoarthritis is. You mentioned about knees and, and hips. Um, what about ankles and toes? I mean, obviously the ankles have the weight as well, but do toes get affected in the same way as, as fingers? They can. You, you do see arthritis in ankles at times. It's often when there's been injury to the ankles. Mm. In the old days, we used to see a lot of arthritis in the in the feet, partly due to the tight shoes and the stiletto heels of, mm. of days gone by and uh, y- y- you can certainly see damage associated with that as well mm. so, so yes that that can occur and uh, some some people get damage in their toes and the, and the um and, and it's often relating to bad footwear in, in those occasions in those days and what about the spine i mean that's the central bone if you like in the body does that get affected by it as well you can certainly get arthritis in the the facet joints or side joints in in the spine and that's very common particularly in the lower back really we've we shouldn't do anything excessive i guess is <laughs> if well, we lived our lived our lives in a quiet way but life doesn't allow us to do that yeah no look no look there are lots and lots of reasons to let me assure you to to, to stay active it's it's everything in moderation of yeah. course but, but without a doubt having a, a generally active lifestyle is is better for our general health and that's what we would encourage but by definition any joint in the body can develop osteoarthritis if uh, if, if certain things occur is it curable no it's not there, oh. there are no <laughs> cures for, for to reverse osteoarthritis but there are lots of interventions that can help improve pain function and, and quality of life and i think people need to be very wary of treatments that that claim to cure osteoarthritis. And there are some on the market, of course. There's no say, shortage yeah. of, uh, of claims out there which yeah. are often quite spurious, unfortunately. Does it become a, a, a difference between curing arthritis, as some of them say, or simply making life easier that makes you think that the arthritis has gone away? Look, it's about managing arthritis, and we can certainly do a lot to manage it, to reduce the symptoms, to prevent deterioration, and that's, that's where efforts are are targeted but uh, we we haven't come up with the cure per se at this point in time are there some treatments that don't involve medication absolutely there's a a wide range of strategies that can help one of the most important but probably not the simplest is is weight loss obesity is a a well-recognized risk factor for osteoarthritis and particularly in those weight-bearing joints such as the hips and knees and it's been shown that a 5 to 10% reduction in body weight can improve the symptoms of osteoarthritis simply by reducing the work that the joints do. And then, of course, one of the ways to achieve weight loss apart from reducing food intake is exercise. And exercise can be very useful to maximise muscle strength and the range of movement. 
So exercise programs need to be tailored to suit individuals. Uh, in, in general, walking and cycling are well tolerated. Mm. A lot of these people wouldn't dream, can't run, and, and, and that's not necessarily a good exercise for those weight when there's osteoarthritis present. Uh, but pain on weight bearing can be eliminated by water-based exercises such as water aerobics, mm. and that's, that's a yeah. really good one. Uh, we've mentioned Heart Foundation Heart Moves is, is designed for people with chronic health problems such as osteoarthritis, so that's a gentle exercise program. Mm-hmm. And another ideal exercise is Tai Chi, which involves gentle exercise and, and relaxation. You're listening to Wellbeing, and today we're talking about osteoarthritis. And that you mentioned about the Heart Foundation Heart Moves. How does one find out about them and get in touch with them? And I mean, do they need to go through... Um, a general practitioner or can they simply pick it up on the web and find out how to do it? Both methods will, will work. Certainly you can look, go to the Heart Moves website on www.heartfoundation.org.au mm. and uh, look, for, look for Heart Moves and uh, people can identify where there's a, a local class near, near them and, mm-hmm. uh, and make contact. Uh, certainly they can also discuss it with the general practitioner and, and they can assist them in, in, in finding their local class. For some people with health problems, the, the GP can actually f- fill out a, a referral form that provides information about those health conditions which can assist the Heart Moves instructor in determining the appropriate exercises for that particular person. Oh, okay. So rather than just joining a general class... Um, if there's an underlying thing, they're made aware of that and adjusted accordingly. That's right. Within the class, the, yeah. the, the fitness instructors are very aware of, of what everyone's capability is and so they can offer a range of exercises at yeah. any point in time depending on people's capability. I mean, there are people who do seated exercise mm. and others, others who will be standing. One of the best examples that I know of is the um, water aerobics where you do what you can manage, and but you have that beautiful warm water to assist you. It's gorgeous. That's right. And yeah. when, when it's painful to weight bear, it, uh, yeah. you can it's exercise lovely. without that, that restriction. Yeah. It, it's great. So as well as going to exercise classes or starting to exercise on our own, and is that a good idea, by the way, to just to get into walking and those sorts of things, or should we get some direction from our GP? Oh, look, I think the, the program can be tailored for individual needs. People who are really very mobile can certainly undertake their own programs, mm. but, but people who love, want a bit more inspiration or, or just ideas about what to do, that, that's where the, the exercise programs can be of benefit. Mm. So what other things can we do to get some benefit, I suppose, of all this exercise? What aids are there? One of the important things to consider is, is footwear. Mm. Uh, there's still a lot of people wear terrible footwear out, out there, and it's important mm. that that we have well well fitting well supporting shoes but but also if there's if there are pressure points in the shoes or if there's a bit of imbalance in in the knees that redistributing the weight with uh, inner soles for example and uh, arch and heel supports can certainly uh, relieve pressure and therefore improve pain walking aids it's been found walking sticks will reduce the pressure on an affected knee by about 10% uh, and, and then we have other people where it becomes less safe for them to mobilise and that's when the walking frames come out. It's, all of this is about mm. reducing the risk of, of falls. For people with particular sore points, a, a TENS machine can help alleviate the pain mm. as well and that's another thing to consider. Can you tell me a bit more about TENS machines? I know they've been around for a long time. What do they actually do? 
the, the TENS machine, you fit it over the, the painful area and it gives little electric stimuli which override the pain sensations in, in the nerves. So, it, it, if you like, it tricks the brain into, in, into not recognising the painful stimuli because it's more aware of this, the stimuli from the TENS machine. And they wear it all the time or just for you know, a limited time, a few hours? Yeah, it's normally for, for, brief, for brief periods mm. uh, to, to mm. get that effect and then, and then take it off again. Yeah. Mm. So we learn something every day. Occupational therapists are great friends to people with aches and pains um, in as much that they help us to realign our lives, if you like, to get the best benefits. How would we go about getting to an occupational therapist? Would you need to go through the GP or can we go direct to an an OT? Usually the GP will provide that referral partly because they know where to find them mm. but also because in, in certain circumstances a, a GP referral can help cover the cost of, of that engagement oh, okay so for someone who's in, uh, insured by a private health fund for example the, mm. the, the GP the GP referral is useful alternatively there's an enhanced primary care scheme where in where someone has a chronic disease and osteoarthritis is certainly recognized as one of those that we, we can provide a referral which which get, has a Medicare subsidy and, and so that oh, makes okay. it much more affordable. Yeah. So if we go and see a, an occupational therapist, then they will help us to find bits and pieces that will help us turn on taps and those sorts of things. That's right. One, once yeah. they understand what, what someone's condition is and what their, their restrictions are, they have a, access to a wide variety of, of aids and gadgets just to help in, in activities of daily mm. living. And this can be anything from, from setting up the bathroom correctly so there's something to hang on to, reducing the risk of falls, oh, okay. getting a seat in the shower for people mm. who have trouble standing uh, so that, 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 again, the less mm. risk of falling... Um, assistance getting in and out of the bath there's various things that they can use for that uh, but in the kitchen uh, it never ceases to amaze me the ideas that they come up with but really simple things like edges to help open bottles and jars which is which really is a real problematic problem. Yeah, yeah that's right and uh, enlarge grips for, for knives and forks so that's which makes them much easier to handle as well, and they're, they're forever mm. making new things with uh, uh, with rubber and that to make make life easier. Mm. So, if we've got someone who's going to gadget wise make life easier for us, let's go back to medication type things. What about acupuncture? There is some evidence that acupuncture can help with pain relief. It's limited, but it, but mm. it is there. So again, it's a non-medication source mm. of, of, of pain relief. But uh, as with everything else, you, there there are adverse effects, and, and, and nausea and, and bruising have been reported from from acupuncture. So in all of this, what's the role of the general practitioner? The GP's there on, on, on this journey of osteoarthritis, which occurs over many, many years. So initially the GP will be providing advisory diagnosis because there are, there are actually many causes of, of joint pain, in, including injury, and there are many ty- types of arthritis. For example, rheumatoid arthritis, gout, ankylosing spondylitis, and psoriatic arthritis. So the first thing is that the GP will help distinguish between these other sorts of more serious arthritis mm. and osteoarthritis. And that can happen with, with simple procedures like blood tests and x-rays. And I should say there's no actual blood test that dis- dis- diagnoses osteoarthritis, but the blood tests will help rule out more serious conditions. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. So if we go and see the GP and he, she says, this is what I think you've got, we'll start with a blood test. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be something horrible. It simply eliminates what 
what might be there. Sure. So it's um, a precautionary rather than a, a final figure type thing. Yeah, well, if someone presents initially with, say, some, some pain in, in, their, in their hands and their knees, mm. we also, and, and morning stiffness, we would also need to think, could this be rheumatoid arthritis, particularly if it's a younger person? Yeah. And that's where the blood test would come in to help us decide whether that was the case. Now, once it's been diagnosed as osteoarthritis, where does the GP go from there to set up a management plan? That's right. Look, good, good practice this day, these days is to actually sit down with the patient and develop what we call a GP management plan. And that really identifies all the things that need to occur to assist this patient in de- managing their osteoarthritis. You know, documenting how we're going to lose weight, what the ideal weight will be, what sort of exercise they're going to have, talking about the various treatments that occur, how often they're going to be monitored, who else do we need to refer to. So that the, the management plan will document all these strategies and, and it's a document that's shared be, between the patient and the GP so that, that everyone is aware, including the patient, what mm. their role is in, in managing this condition. And I guess the, the patient really does need to know right from the world go because sometimes they can get lost along the way look this is all about patient empowerment it's Mm. their disease they're the one who is going to be living with it and and self-management strategies are are a really important direction these days you're listening to well-being i'm iris nichols and today i'm talking with dr annette carruthers annette we've touched lightly on our medications paracetamol is one that's used frequently to sort of ease the the aches and pains? Absolutely. Paracetamol is the pain reliever of first choice. It's relatively inexpensive and it's got a good side effect profile, which means it's, it's safer to take in, in the longer term. So we will always recommend that in the first instance. Uh, mm. we're, we're comfortable with people taking it for a long time at a reasonable dose. The, the maximum recommended dose being 4 grams or 8 500 milligram tablets a day, mm. so 2 tablets 4 times a day. And does that have any long-term side effects, taking it, you know, on extended time? It's a relatively safe drug Mm. compared to many of the other options. We always have to be cautious with patients, for example, who are on warfarin or or other medications. And uh, certainly in patients who have chronic liver disease or excessive alcohol consumption, there can be some concerns about effects on the liver. What about the the drugs that are advertised over the counter in the in the chemist and in the supermarket how cautious should we be about taking those that's right we're seeing a lot of advertisements now for a type of medication called non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents they're the next class of drugs to be considered after paracetamol uh, when there's been inadequate pain relief and using that and they certainly these drugs certainly do help relieve pain and stiffness uh, but they also have a higher a side effect profile which is mm. why we prefer paracetamol in the first instance now there are varieties such as ibuprofen which are now available over the counter and in supermarkets mm. and they're they're heavily promoted and you get the impression from from the advertisements that these medications are very safe and they're actively promoted for use in children however they do have a risk of serious peptic ulcer problems including gastrointestinal hemorrhage and peptic ulcer perforation so they're best avoided in in people with histories of, of peptic ulceration. They also um, can have long-term side effects like kidney problems, high blood pressure, fluid retention and exacerbation of, of heart failure. So certainly in elderly people, we prefer paracetamol um, to, to the non-steroidals. 
Is it a good idea if you're thinking about taking any of these things to go into your local chemist and say, is it safe for me to take these because you have a list of what other medication I'm taking? Can I take mm. these without... Look, good question always to be asked. One mm. of... Uh, Certainly a lot of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications are prescribed by, by general practitioners mm. for, for pain relief. People do find them effective and, 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 and many, many people take them. Now, one of the risks is that they mightn't understand that that ibuprofen is the same category of drug and they think, well, I'll take that for my headache, mm. not realising they may be creating an overdose situation because they're already on a similar medication. So you really do need to check out either with your GP or, or at least the chemist on what you're going to put in your mouth. That's right. People who are already on medication and, and proposing to add something else should check that those medications are compatible. Yeah. Now, there's a medication that came to my notice quite recently, and they are patches that can be worn to help ease the pain. Where do they sort of fit in the medication thing? Some of the patches available are, are actually a, a low-dose, long-acting narcotic agent, so they are a strong painkiller. So normally, just moving through the, the pain relievers from paracetamol, there'll then be a range of medications that add codeine in. Mm. So you have a combination medication with paracetamol and, and codeine. Yeah. If they're insufficient for pain relief, that's when we'd consider narco- narcotic agents, and they can be in tablets, they can be short-acting, long-acting, and in patches. Again, they're quite strong medications, so used in caution, and, and the, the GP will provide advice about that the, they can, for example, impair concentration uh, and, and cause tiredness, so, so need to be alert for those sorts of issues. But safely prescribed more frequently these days uh, just to help provide pain relief. So it's one that you could maybe talk with your GP about, although... They're not commonly known in these days? Not commonly prescribed, mm. but, but there is a place for them uh, at the end of the spectrum of, of the various medications for pain relief. So what about injections? Um, you hear about cortisone that they use as for um, pain relief and, and general relief. That's right. One, one way to give medication is via an intra-articular injection, that is an injection into the joint. And it's commonly used for some of the larger joints, for example, the shoulders and, and the knees. And it's a way of delivering an anti-inflammatory medication directly to, to where the, the problem is. Mm. And so it can be moderately effective over short periods of time. You get the benefit fairly, relatively quickly, but uh, there are limits on the number of injections that can be given over mm. a period of time. So what about the other things we find on the, the shelves of the health food and chemists, glucosamine and chondroitin? That's right. These are compounds are, are derivatives of, of what is found in articular cartilage and, and synovial fluid. These compounds are being shown to be useful in milder disease. There's certainly a suggestion that glucosamine may slow the pre- progression of a disease. Mm. The action's slow, but the, the medications are well tolerated, uh, except for people with seafood allergies who should not take glucosamine. Yeah. And a trial of two to three months of glucosamine may be worthwhile for people with osteoarthritis in the knees. And there's also evidence emerging that the long-chain omega-3 oils in, in high doses can, mm. can be helpful in reducing pain and inflammation. So omega-3 oils, we can simply get them as fish oils from the 
from the health food? That's correct. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realise that, that you really do need to take a, a quite a high dose, a significant yeah. number of capsules a day to, to get the to benefit. To make it worthwhile. In the journey of all of this, Annette, where is surgery considered? There are a range of, of surgical treatments that certainly can provide great relief. Two of the most common ones are something called osteo osteotomy Mm. in knees if there's an imbalance in the weight bearing on the knees that if people are just slightly bow-legged or slightly knock-kneed one side of the knee gets more pressure than the other and over time wears out more quickly and an operation called an osteotomy that rebalances the knees and redistributes the weight can be give quite dramatic Mm. pain relief but certainly joint replacement surgery has come a long way as well and Mm. for people who are significantly disabled they can get great results. Uh, the most common, again, would be the hips and the knees. Yeah. And uh, for a knee that's been really painful and restricting walking to come back to be almost pain-free is, uh, is a delight mm. for, for people who proceed to that surgery. The common one seems to be in our area at the moment where I'm living um, is hip replacement. And it's quite amazing to see usually the men who have a, a hip replacement and within a couple of months... The, the change in them once they've got over the actual surgery is is quite astounding from from having seen them hobble around and, and see them in pain. That's right. It's, it's wonderful when you see that Im- improved mm. mobility mm. and improved quality of life. Like all medical interventions, uh, there are risks, risks associated with mm. surgery and it depends very much on, on the person's general condition, their, their heart and, and their lungs. There's also a risk of, of clotting um, after the surgery. Mm. So, uh, But these days we, people are coming in and out of hospital much more quickly and they're, they're, they get into rehabilitation programs and, and get going a lot more quickly than used to be the case yeah and I, as you say i guess it should be a last resort to have surgery of any kind well, um, well timing's important yeah that, that's right you you don't do it too soon you don't do it too late it's, yeah. uh, and that's where the, the role of the gp comes in and in advising people when it's time to go and have a talk to the orthopedic surgeon so in conclusion annette the gp is a good place to start the GP's there for the whole journey. That's right. If, if people have questions about joints, they can certainly provide the right advice, set them in the right direction, but they will be there along, mm. along the journey as the condition progresses, advising on, on additional treatments as they become appropriate and uh, referral to other allied health professionals and uh, at times referrals to an orthopaedic surgeon. And osteoarthritis could go on for many years and sit at a, a general level? It's a lifelong condition. Mm. Wear and tear will continue over life, so the symptoms can ultimately deteriorate as, mm. as time goes on. But we, we bring in you know, stronger and more effective treatments as, as, as the need arises. Annette, thank you for coming in and talking to us about what can and cannot be done with this, at times, quite miserable condition. My guest today has been Dr. Annette Carruthers. She's a clinical director from GP Access. Thank you for listening. We hope we've found the program of interest. And until the next time we meet, this is Iris Nichols on behalf of us all, wishing you well.